Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Breaking news. Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with the brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From the beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code UNFILTERED20 for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard. Say say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. That's right, face grooming doesn't need to be hard. Get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower to avoid all that hair in the sink. The titanium-coated T-blade is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. They have created four dermatologically tested formulations for your post-trim care. First, there is the Beard Shampoo and Conditioner. You need to remember all your hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's Beard Oil, an essential piece for your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy whose beard is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making your look extra fine. Tap off the kit with the Beard Bomb, a uh, pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNFILTERED20. Manscaped Beer Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 lengths. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 321. I am your host, Blaine Pudvay. And I'm joined by a co-host this time in Treg, the Hammer Wilson. Good morning, or whatever time it is in your time zone. <laughs> uh, we are recording live on YouTube as we record this episode for the podcast. Uh, Matt Smith is unavailable because he is working. And I find it odd the Air Force guy is always working. Always, like always. Yeah. You got a bad union. Really bad. Either that or he's working as a gigolo on the side. Mm, possible. 
It's probably his OnlyFans page. Yeah, yeah, more likely that. He's probably getting a lot of requests to do a lot of weird shit and uh takes time. Hey, that's prostate. how he affords all those. That's how he affords all those trips to the beach. Yeah, yeah. And to all the drafts and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. Because it's not on an airman's. Well, he's not an airman. It's not on a AVN Master Corporal. Uh, Master Corporal salary, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll give him some credit, man. He's he's working his way up the ranks. Yeah. No, he's doing good. Actually, you know, all jokes aside, he matched in a high profile job, and uh there is a lot of work to what he does. We joke, but there is a there lot is. of work to what he does. Not just what he does professionally, but the work he puts into looking as good as he does. Well, I mean, I've been going to the gym like crazy and I still don't look half as good as what Matt looks like. I mean, I don't he think literally, there's anything we can do. He literally went to the gym three times in Kuwait because he only posted it three times. So that's the only facts I have. And he's still better looking than I am. It's just genes, I guess. Natural selection. He Natural is selection. cut. cut. See with a shirt off. Oh, my God. That's the best bag of milk I've ever seen. <laughs> Second best. Second best. <laughs> You're more like a bag of potatoes. <laughs> um, lumpy mashed potatoes? Well, you have lumps in areas I didn't think people should have curves and lumps. The, that That's uh, metal plates and pins. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Frankenstein. All right, so, yeah, <laughs> I am covered in zippers. Let me say. Um, so this episode, we're gonna we're gonna go over a few things. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Leafs game and the upcoming New Jersey Devils game on Tuesday night. Injuries, trade deadline. <clears throat> so why don't we just jump right into it, and we'll talk a little bit about the weekend and the game in Toronto. So I spoke at, uh, about this a little bit yesterday. What about you? What did you see in that game that you liked? And what did you see that you disliked? Uh, I didn't see much that I liked, to be honest with you. Uh, it was uh, it's almost like Montreal tried to play the trap game and it just didn't work. Um, <laughs> uh, I liked uh, the fact that... Uh, I thought the defense played well considering it was not, I should say that I thought the young defense played well considering I thought Weidman Savard had a, or had a tough time. Um, but, uh, you know, I, it wasn't a great game. Let's be honest. I mean, they lost five one, but it wasn't really until the third period that they really broke it out. But, uh, you know, Allen looked okay, but Allen's Allen, he's going to play great for two to three games and have a, a shitty game. And then, that's the way it is. That's what happens when you have a, I guess, a backup goalie playing as your starter. Um, uh, you know, Toronto was bound to beat them at some point. Uh, let's just rejoice that they can't win the series. Uh, <laughs> no matter what. Kind of fitting for Toronto. Yeah. Um, but uh, I got to say, like, I, I didn't really enjoy the game. Like, I, I kind of, I was bored. I thought it was a very boring game. Uh, like I said, I thought Montreal, when they when they uh, tried to play the trap like they did in uh, the previous game there, um, uh, against uh, 
Where are they playing before Toronto? Chicago. Uh, no, they lost. Uh, they they gave up all the goals. They was two two, and they lost. Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, it was a very trappy game right up until the third period. Um, and I think they tried to do that with Toronto, and it just didn't work. Um, now I yeah, Toronto speed broke it. It did. It it really did. Like Nylander and Matt, like I mean, they have a good fast team now. I'm sorry, Toronto fans. I didn't think O'Reilly had that great of a game. Like, I know everyone went on, lauded about his game. He got an assist, but I thought he was okay. Uh, he played with Traveris, which surprised me because it was like uh, they had him on the second line as two centers on the second line most of the time. Um, but other than that, nothing special. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of uh, confused me a little bit. You got Matthews and Traveris who are – between them, you got $22 million tied up in your top two centers. They go and get O'Reilly, which I thought was a good move for Toronto mm-hmm. because it adds depth. Great move. And, it's, and instead of putting him on a third line where he could really take on that defensive role or add more depth, they shoved Tavares over to a wing, and showing put, yeah. that their top six depth is just four guys. That's exactly what they did. Well, I mean, but are you getting Ryan O'Reilly from this year or Ryan O'Reilly from the St. Louis Cup winning team? See, that, Even that's Ryan O'Reilly this year hurt, I think, improves their chances, especially defensively. Oh, I don't get me wrong. Like, I think uh, this was a masterful trade by du- du- uh, Dubas. I was going to say Dubois, but <laughs> by Dubas. And uh, I mean, he uh, he worked it for the cap. Like he got two teams to take retention on the salary, so he's only paying one point eight million for him. Uh, they got probably the best center in the free agent group. Um, yes, he's been dealing with injuries, so that's what you got to look at as well. So if he's healthy going into the playoffs, or relatively healthy, because I don't think anyone's really healthy going into the playoffs, you got yourself you you've, you're winning the middle right now. I mean, the only issue for them is they're playing Tampa in the first round. So yeah, and. Does that really move the needle for them? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Especially if they're using him as a number two center and moving Tavares to a wing. I don't think it does. I think they need three solid lines that can score. They absolutely need to do the, to go up against to, uh, Tampa, the way Tampa's been playing. Tampa's just limping into the playoffs, and they're still right there with Toronto. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Every year Tampa limps into the playoffs because they have injuries. <laughs> Wink, wink. Um, uh, so, uh, but it, it'll be good. I, if Toronto makes it past the first round, this will be the year they'll do it. I, I truly believe. I think they know. I think a carry was a good addition on the bottom six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, now if, I think they need uh, one more defenseman, such as a Brian McCabe or a uh, someone like that, which I mentioned on yesterday's THW trade uh, podcast, trade deadline podcast. I said McCabe should go to Toronto because I think he's an upgrade to what they have, like Hull and uh, stuff like that. But, I mean, this is a have show. We're talking Toronto. Um, yeah. No, I was going to bring him back in. Yeah. And, but and uh, talk about their impact. Mon- Toronto's impact or Montreal's impact? No, no. The the impact of those players on the game. Oh. Um, yeah. So, they. I think I carry in – do they move the needle? If they weren't playing Tampa Bay, I'd say yes. Since they're playing Tampa Bay in the first round, I don't know. Depends on what Tampa Bay does at the trade deadline. And you know they're going to do something. 
True. And then there's the Bruins as well. But in, in mm-hmm. this game against the Canadians, uh, as I know that those two guys had just showed up the night before they had traveled, uh, they, they played fairly well, but I didn't see a big impact from them in the game for, for the Leafs. Really the no. biggest impact was that top line. I thought William Nylander was amazing in that game. Personally, I thought he played a great, I think he's one of the, I don't want to say underrated, but he is a bit underrated on that team. Um, For the hate he gets from Toronto, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I thought Mitch Marner had a good game. I don't think Austin Matthews had a very good game, but I don't think Austin no. Matthews is having a very good season. If he's, I don't know if he's battling injuries or what he's doing, but I don't even think he'll hit 30 goals, to be honest with you. But His pride hurts. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, you got the old... I'm going to check this guy from the back and knock him to the ground. I'm not going to get a penalty because I'm Austin Matthews. And then as soon as someone steps up to me, I'm just going to laugh at him because I don't know what else to do. Arms drop to the side. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I hate about Matthews. He tries to play the dirty game, but then when someone tries to get dirty back to him, he just tries to laugh. I don't know. I don't know what he does. It's weird. It's really weird. Which also points to why he's not as effective going into the middle. He's he's got a great shot, so for him, his release is the the main weapon. He doesn't go in too close to the net. He shoots from further out, and yeah. he he takes advantage of his. For now, his shot kind of offsets his lack of ability to attack that center. For a guy his size, that's concerning. Well, and, and he was he was invisible almost in that game against Montreal. He had a couple good chances. He missed the net on a few shots, but you're absolutely right. He likes to shoot right as, almost as soon as he gets to the circle, not the middle circle, but the big round one, like, you know, OV spot, but before he gets there, yeah. like he, he likes to, and that's where he likes to shoot from. I don't know. Maybe they should put Ryan Tavares on the first line, move Matthews to the wing. If you want O'Reilly to be, cause I think Matthews would be more effective on the wing. Cause he, then he doesn't have to go into the middle. Now the know, Canadians defensively were able to shut him down. It wasn't that big of a stretch, but you you talked about Nylander and Nylander, his speed and his ability to actually go to the front of the net opened things up for Bunting, who scored a couple of goals. Yeah. The uh, the super sophomore who was 58 years old was able to really show his offensive prowess in that game. Well, I'm not a Bunting fan. I can't stand Bunting. But uh, uh, the reason I don't like Bunting is because I think he's a whiny little flopper. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, anyway. And, and I'd love I think, to argue. <laughs> and I, I think Lee fans see that as well, that he just whines and flops around too much. For I, he, To me, he's one of those guys that's only excelling because of the line he's playing on. Um, like a Hyman in Edmonton. Like Hyman excelled because he played with Matthews and Martyr. Now he's excelling because he's playing with McDavid. Um, however, you can't take away from the guy. He's scoring points and he's getting goals and he's getting open and he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, a lot. I, I Both of his goals, though, were, were bad defensive coverage by the Montreal Canadiens. They, you know, we had, you know, one defenseman in the middle looking around, not knowing where anybody was while the other guy covered the wrong guy, which confused this other guy and he didn't know where to go. So... That's yeah, they beat Savard with speed on those plays. And that's why I say I, I didn't think the young defenders played bad. It was the veterans that I thought were were being outmatched, but I think it was a speed thing. I don't think it was a that they were playing bad. They just beat them with speed. 
and and bunting has well, that baron did make a couple of small errors in defense in the defensive zone but i mean it's it's one of these things where he slightly misjudged a positioning for his stick to pick up the puck on the boards and he got stripped because of it and they scored this is a team in toronto that can really really kill you if you make any small tiny mistake there's just too much talent in toronto like i mean jokes aside bash in toronto aside you can't deny the talent that they have in toronto and once you make a small mistake and i'm okay with a rookie defender making those mistakes i'm okay with that yep because I don't expect a rookie. It's when the veterans make a rookie mistake that bothers me. And uh, because they should be making those mistakes. Like, And to be honest, Savard doesn't make many of those mistakes. He doesn't. If Savard's going to get beat, he's going to get beat because some guy just outskated him, right? Or positioned himself where he can't, you know, use his size to his advantage. And uh, Toronto was good at doing that. Like Toronto players know how to position themselves so that bigger guys have a hard time defending against them at least in the regular season not so much in the playoffs but and that that takes me to tuesday night's game against the devils new jersey in my opinion plays the same style as toronto but they're deeper and they have more grit so to me they're a much more dangerous hockey team especially come playoff time now the devils haven't proven anything in the playoffs but then again neither is toronto um so the Devils on Tuesday, the, Jack Hughes is back now, and he he lit it up in his first game back with the Devils. So the the Devils have a f- nearly fully healthy lineup. They're stacked up the middle with Hughes and Heischer. They've got great sets of wingers, solid defense, good goaltending, and now they're looking to add pieces. But for Tuesday night, I'm seeing a team in New Jersey that has the same speed as Toronto, but are more willing to attack physically, which I think is going to hurt the Canadians at this time of year. I think the young defense is going to have a hard time with this New Jersey team because they're not going to be used to the speed and grit. See, this is the difference, like you said, between New Jersey and Toronto. Now, talking about New Jersey, we talk about teams needing elite players, and this is this will run into Montreal. Um, unless you think Jack Hughes is an elite player, New Jersey doesn't really have any elite players. They have high level players. You know what I mean? They have, you know, good players, but they don't really have anyone elite unless you want to say Jack Hughes is elite. I don't know where you would categorize him, but. um, I think he's almost there. He's, he's a point per game kind of guy. So that's. But does that make him elite? That's really high end. No, like, no, no, no. You, you understand what he's I'm saying? Trending. Yeah, and, he's and trending in that direction. The reason I'm saying this is because where Montreal could be drafting, there's a there's a fear that they're not, although they're getting closer to that bottom five, they're only three points away from if Vancouver and uh, Arizona start winning, they're gonna they're gonna be in fifth spot. They have been. Yeah, Montreal, I think Vancouver got 48 points. Uh, Arizona at laughter last night is 49 and Montreal is 50. So there's um but the point I'm bringing that up is look how well New Jersey's playing without a superstar slash elite play at this point. I think Hughes, you're right. I think Hughes projecting to be that player, but at this point they don't have one and they're one of the top teams in the league. Um, so I guess when I look at New Jersey, that's kind of the team I see Montreal becoming. Um, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of high-end players, Caulfield, Suzuki, uh, hopefully maybe Joshua Walsh, Sean Farrell, if they come up and become in the NHL what they are in the in the lower ranks, maybe, maybe not. But, uh, you know, Lane Hudson, if he grows another inch. Um, <laughs> he's 5'9 now. He's 5'9. So 5'10. 5'10. He's 5'10 now. Yeah. So he's grown three inches since the draft, which he said he would do. Um, but I see Montreal being that type of team where they just have a solid top two lines, you know, a good third line, a ready fourth line, and then solid top two defensive lines with hopefully a solid goaltender. Like it doesn't have to be a superstar at any point, but they have top tier. Um, but going back to the game in Toronto, um, the difference between New Jersey and Toronto is yes, New Jersey will attack. They'll go to the dirty areas and attack and they'll use that speed to win the battles in the dirty areas. Whereas Toronto just uses their speed and hope they get open ice, you know, or hope that they confuse the defense enough that they get one person open somewhere and they can just, and they're with the talent they have, they can just, Oh, here we go. We'll skip this puck over four sticks and you're just going to go right on yours. Um, New Jersey does the same thing, only they can attack anywhere and they can open their own ice just by using their grit and their, uh, and their strength. And uh, yeah. that's the difference. I think, I think Montreal is going to have a much harder time because uh, Montreal didn't play terrible against the Leafs. The Leafs were just better. The Leafs, yeah. the Leafs capitalized on their chances where Montreal didn't. Montreal got a chance and they shot in the belly pad or they missed the net or they, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, they had a bunch of two on ones, I think in the second period and they just didn't get a good shot away. Um, so the way I see it is they're going to have a harder time with New Jersey. Now I say that and they'll probably come out and beat them three, two in overtime or something stupid, but uh, um, I don't expect Montreal to do much against New Jersey at all. I, I really don't. Well, neither do I. I mean, uh, we talk about the speed where New Jersey uses speed to get to a specific spot to beat you to that spot while Toronto uses the speed to fly through the areas, trying to create confusion. I'm I mean, the Canadians tried that the work ethic was there. The effort was there, but they just didn't have enough because it's, it's a couple of NHL players and the vast majority of the rest, the, the roster are, are from Laval. So yeah. the expectations can't be too high for a lineup like that. And then going up against New Jersey on the road in New Jersey, uh, I'm expecting more of the same. Now, like you, I'd be shocked if they did win, but they probably will now because we say they probably won't. Yeah. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting the Devils to chip away at the Canadians Onto, uh, using their speed on the defense, grinding them down, and then coming out with the win. They may not win six to two like Toronto did with a couple empty netters, but I do expect New Jersey to control the game for the most part over long stretches. I can see it being a three nothing four one win. That's that's what I see. With uh, the Canadians probably showing twenty to twenty five minutes of really really good hockey, but just yeah. not having enough. Yeah. And then like when they get their chances, it'll just be because I mean, believe it or not, but the Devils are still that defensive team from the 90s that they still smother you in their zone. They still like the philosophy hasn't changed. This added more offense to their team. That's all. Um, so when you, you know, getting a New Jersey zone, you're still 
you know, they smother you. They they use their speed and they just attack the puck carrier, which makes it hard for him to, to uh, you know, uh, open things up. And where Montreal is lacking a lot of skilled players, like who do they have? Anderson and Suzuki? That's about it. Um, I mean, Huffman and Drew have been Matheson, but Huffman and Drew have been playing very good hockey lately. Um, Raf, Harvey Pernard's playing well, but I mean, he's also playing on the first line. So, <laughs> you know, like, which is a great um, story. Don't get me wrong. It's a great story. It's a great story, but let's not hope next year we're looking at a people are looking at Harvey Pernard to be this 20 to 30 goal scorer because I don't think he will be. I think he's a yeah. solid third line player. You know what I mean? Again, He's a player like Hyman and Bunting, not to that extent, but is benefiting from where he's playing at right now. Um, I'm being, I mean, nothing against Harvey Pinard. I think he should make the team next year. Don't anyone start bashing me. I just don't think he's going to be this, you know, top guy. That's all. I could be wrong. Who knows? And that brings me to the injuries. Because uh, he's there because of injuries. He's mm-hmm. he's gotten his opportunity and he's taking advantage of it. I mean, he looks great so far, uh, but it's due to injuries. And the Canadians right now have a ton. I mean, clearly Byron Price, they're they're on the long term. They were never expected to be back. But then you look at the rest: Monahan, Gooley, Jacki, Evans, Gallagher, Caulfield. Uh, you know, other players have been in and out of the lineup with. Injuries stretching over a week to two weeks. I mean, to the point where the Canadians blue line has set a, a team record for the most games played by rookie defensemen in a single season. Uh, 209, I think is what they said Saturday night during the uh, hockey game was this year. Yeah, it's for- probably going to be around 215 by the yeah. end of the New Jersey game. Yeah. And then uh, I think the closest team to him was 60 to 60 something, 68 or 69, something like uh, that. I think it was 90 something with Columbus. Was it 90 something? Okay. All right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but still, <laughs> um, but when you're playing in four to five rookie defensemen all season long, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Like, uh, you know, you had to start the season, you had Gooley, Harris and Jack I, uh, and then uh, Kovacevic, came in he's played every game because Matheson was injured and then and Edmondson was injured and then Edmondson came back and then Matheson came back but then Edmondson got injured and you know and now the young guys are getting we thought Baron we thought we might have lost Baron in the uh loss to uh oh, I can't remember who they played before Toronto Carolina Still, Carolina um but we didn't thank thankfully thankfully he wasn't that uh he wasn't that hurt um so yeah it's uh I say it's a development year and guess what we're developing the, the, I think the young defenders look good. I'm, I'm happy with the way they're playing. I'm happy with how their development's going. Uh, Kovacevic to me, has been a solid two way uh, uh, defender. I mean, he's not that much on the offense, but he, he can, he can move the puck. He can get the puck out of the zone. Uh, he's been a bright spot, I think for them this year. Uh, so was Gooley and Jack eye till they get injured. I mean, Harris, he's uh, getting better as the season goes on. Um, However, we got way too many left-handed defensemen. So, well, I mean, the good news portion of this season is the development and the the uh, the step forward that the Canadians' rookie defensemen have made. They've shown that Montreal's prospect pool is better than they expected on the defensive side. But you're right; there's too many left-handed defensemen, which does open up a options and possibilities come summertime 
where they can they can pick and choose who gets to be used as trade bait so they can maybe add some right-handed defensemen or find some or using a package for a bigger player or whatever whatever but they have who, options now but who do they move you're not moving Matheson. you're not moving Gooley. no who do you move Kovacevic Harris Jackeye I have a feeling I, Jack- I see Kovacevic Kovacevic is one of those depth guys because he's he's on a cheap oh, deal he's sure. right-handed he can for play sure. both sides he doesn't have a high value trade wise. So you just leave him on the roster. Yeah. So that leaves Harris and Jack is really the big trade pieces. I I mean, I'm not sure if, I mean, I'm a bit biased here, but I'm not sure if Jack is the guy you want to move. Cause he gives you a dynamic that you haven't had in a while. Uh, that protection dynamic. Um, I agree. And I have to admit Jack, I doesn't go looking for fights. He doesn't, I haven't yet seen him fight where he shouldn't have, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, so that leaves and Harris. He's no slouch. He's no slouch uh, on Offensively. the well, hockey side either. No, he's not. And, and so that kind of leaves Harris. And then you're looking, do we really want to get rid of Harris? But if you're looking at trade bait, Harris can get you something that uh, he could. Um, and either that or you teach one of them to play the right side and be proficient on the wrong side because after next year you have no veteran right-handed defenseman baron's your top right-handed defenseman that's my expectation for harris he played on the right side in college Mm. he is comfortable on the right side so i can see them moving him over to the right and not having to trade anybody giving more time for guys like mayu to prove that they're even capable of playing professional hockey yeah. Now I know Bouillon's big on Mayu. I don't see him in Montreal next year. I see him in Laval. No. Um, I don't know if he has another year in junior or not. I think he's overager. Does he? Can he play? No. In a, yeah. So he'll be. I I believe he'll be in Laval. Maybe get a few games in Montreal as a call up. Um, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'd rather him. I mean, he pretty much missed three years of hockey. So give this guy as much time as as he needs. Yeah. Uh, plus he has to have the NHL permission to actually even play in the NHL, uh, which I think will happen. Um, So yeah, after Savard's trade bait, Evanson and Savard are trade bait next year. If neither one of them go this year. And uh, so that leaves Barron as your top. So unless they go out and get somebody. um, Yeah. They need, they're going to need depth on that right side. And the only, if they don't want to get rid of their young guys, then they have to move one or two of them over to the right side and, go from there like you say is right-handed anyway but he normally plays left that's why um so i mean you can move him over he'd be kind of on his right side but he's used to playing left left defense which makes him an ideal number seven he can jump up into whatever one you want on the third pair and he can quietly play a good game and as for savard i don't see him being trade bait at all i don't think anyone really wants him and at the same time the value to Montreal for from him is not just veteran presence or playing on a third pair. It's the fact that this is a local guy who signed as a free agent, brought his family back. He can be used as a uh, as a selling piece and say, "Hey, look, we this is a good area. It's good for families. It's good for uh, it, it's good for free agents to come in and set themselves up, and you'll be accepted into the community." And you can use him as an example of that. I think that's that's his real value to Montreal to become 
like a poster child for selling to free agents, mm. which the Canadians are going to have to start doing in about two seasons. I'm just saying Savard's next season, Savard's last year in Montreal. That That's yeah. when I think he's yeah. trade big because they're not going to want to lose him for nothing. Unless, like you say, hey, you want to take a hometown discount, we'll keep you, but you're, I mean, give Savard credit. The guy's playing top line minutes and he's a third pair defenseman. And, and he's not yeah. terrible. Like you, I mean, he was exposed against Toronto with speed, but he's not a terrible defenseman. You know what I mean? Like he, he's uh, excelling, not excelling, but he's, he's uh, playing well in a position that he's not used to playing in. Yeah. He he's, he's battling through. Right. Exactly. So that brings us to the trade deadline. Like we're talking about trades now. We we kind of touched on it a little bit with Savard and Edmondson, who's out injured at the moment. Uh, I didn't put him on my list of injured because it's day to day and has been for the last two months. So, <laughs> so um, and the, the rumors flying around now is that the trade deadline is going to be quiet for Montreal. But last year at this time prior to the trade deadline, the same things were being said that the Canadians didn't have a lot. They're going to be quiet. There's not going to be a lot done. And then Hughes uh, kind of proved everybody wrong. Yeah. Uh, I have a conspiracy theory about the injured, some of the injured uh, Monaghan, especially Uh, I'm thinking that Monaghan's maybe not as injured as people think. And they're saying, Oh, he, Got a bad groin. He got this because they just want to keep him out of the game. Uh, I think maybe the notice has been put out. Hey, Monaghan's healthy if you want him. And this is what we want for him. Um, Whether that's going to be a first or not, I have no idea. Uh, At the start of the season, I would have said yes. After, before he got injured, I would have said yes. Now with the injury issues reoccurring, even though that's not his hip, it's a different injury and one you can't really avoid a broken foot, but you know what I mean? Like I'm kind of teams might say, Hey, this guy's like, you know, made a glass. We're not sure we want to give up a first round pick for someone who could get injured three games into the, after we trade him. But then again, we know how huge deals. He's like, this is what I want. Take it or leave it. Um, <laughs> There's nothing saying he can't trade for a conditional pick either. No, there's not. And Really, a second-round pick wouldn't be all that. If you can get anything for a guy that's not on your team next year, you've succeeded. Let, let's be that honest. That you've already gotten a first for just taking on. Correct. So, I mean, if you can get two firsts for Monaghan, Hughes is a genius. Um, I suspect they might even try to go for a prospect. Um, where Monaghan will go, I don't know. All the centers are being... Uh, Taves is off the table. O'Reilly's off the table. Uh, Horvat's a winger, is he not? Or is he a center? Horvat's uh, a center and he's off the table. Yeah, he's off the table. So the top three centers are off the table. So if someone wants a center going into the playoffs. And this is this is from your inside man. Double this, Listen, I have lots of connections in lots of places. And my inside man told me, which is my conscious, which is just me going, hey, I wonder. Um, oh, it's W. Your inside guy is W. W, yeah. And he has 17 R's at the end of his insider tag. So you know it's real. Uh, yeah, absolutely. The more R's, the more real it is. Um, 
So I would be surprised if all of a sudden before the trade deadline, Monahan's practicing in a non-contact jersey and maybe getting a game and maybe, and then it's gone. I wouldn't be shocked with that. I, I mean, with with the way things are going, uh, the rumor is it's just his foot. You, you've heard some possibility that it's a groin. groin. Yeah. Um, so a guy who's, it's not his hips that are the problem. Yeah. And that's what caused him to decline over the last couple of years. And then he comes back, he plays so well for the Canadians, and now he's out with a bad foot. That's something you can recover from. It's not going to hurt you when you get back. So if he's not back until after the trade deadline, I can totally see a team stepping up and trading for him and saying, look, he's not healthy right now. If he meets these requirements, you know, A, B, and C, we'll give you a first. If not, we'll give you a second. Yeah, that works. Teams like Colorado, who are really hurting for a center, uh, Carolina, another team hurting for centers because Kotkiemi is just not cutting it for them. Weird, I know. Um, He's playing better lately. They, He's playing better lately. In, yeah, comparatively speaking. Um, <laughs> so they need centers. And Monaghan's probably the top of the the remaining tier of centers. He so a conditional now. pick. Yeah. yeah, he is now. So a conditional pick makes sense. I mean, these are and the Canadians can still eat half the cap no matter where he goes. Well, Canadians uh, I think have four and a half million dollars at the trade deadline of cap space. So uh, injury injury cap space I think is five point six. Okay, I'm just looking. I was just looking at, let's see here. Deadline cap space, 4.5. So current cap space, four. so it's the same as currently, but I'm not, that's just what, I'm just going yeah. by cap friendly. I'm not looking at LTR or anything like that. I'm just looking yeah. whatever cap friendly is cap So let's say day. five. All right, sure, five. Because uh, they'll have more in the next, well, I guess they won't. Yeah. Um, but they could eat still, half. his salary is what, six million? 6.2 something. So it'll be about yeah, 3. So 3. 7 3. million. million. So they still, they can do it. They, they have more than enough yeah. money to eat half his salary. Um, now, if they want to get rid of say dad and Ob or Druin, uh, if they eat Monahan's half, they can't really eat much of theirs because they're both over 5 million. So um, I think dad and Ob's over 5 million. Yeah. No, I was at five point, no, 5 million on the dock. It's um Germans yeah, dad now is 5.5. 5 million, five, and Germans at 5.5. So they won't be able to eat really any of their salaries, but. Uh, I don't see really either of them being tradable, to be honest. You know what? I, I, Dadanov, I think this is an outlier. I think Dadanov's just not happy in Montreal. Dadanov does not fit into Montreal. I mean, I watch him and it's like he's purposely trying to give the puck up every time he gets it. But, <laughs> you know, like he heard tank and was like, all right, I can do that. Um, but if you look at everywhere else he played, he's a 20 goal scorer until Montreal, like a guy just doesn't stop scoring unless there's some issue. And maybe he didn't want to be in Montreal. This is just me talking. I'm not trying to spread a rumor here or anything, but it just doesn't seem like he's fitting in, in Montreal. Uh, and if Hughes can sell that, he could get a third round pick for dad, not somewhere. It's, it is, it's the salary that people are going to look at and go, well, he got, six goals at night, six, $5 million, you know, 
And I mean, look what he I did after the him. trade lane. Look what he did at the, after the trade deadline in Vegas. He went off on it like a cannon. Like he he after they reacquired know, him from Anaheim. After they reacquired him from Anaheim, yeah. <laughs> so um for Dadanov, I mean, I can see a team who've gone through plan A, B, C, D, and E say we really need something added. We'll give a conditional fifth round pick or seventh round pick to Montreal. Sure. And we'll take Dadnov. But like I say, okay, anything's better than nothing. True. And I don't, I think he's the, out of the two between him and Drew, he's really the only one that has a possibility of leaving. Cause I don't see anyone wanting Drew. Pierre Lebrun says there's interest. Hmm. Says people, sure. I mean, he does have 11 points the last 13 games. But no goals. Adam Oates didn't score goals. No one bitched about him <laughs> when he got his 120 points a year at 86 assists or 90 assists, wherever the hell he got. Um, when Gretzky scored 215 points, he only had 52 goals. <laughs> only he would have still won the league championship if he scored no goals. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, but. Yeah, maybe because I have a little. I don't mind. I like Druin, and I just want to see him go somewhere and succeed. As do I. I, I. It is his salary. If he had, if he had a three and a half million dollar salary, I think he'd be easy to move. They go, all right. He's playing great lately. He's a good setup guy. He's great on the power play, which he has been in Montreal. He has been good on the power play. Um, you know, some team will take him, but i don't know i don't yeah. see i don't see hugh sitting on his ufas and getting nothing for them i just don't see it well i know he's going to try but it's it drew i just don't see him getting anything even a conditional pick while meanwhile drew knows that he is playing for his career at this mm-hmm. point and he's he's playing well i don't think he's going to get traded for anything i think he'll finish the season in montreal then he's gone as a free agent he'll He'll have people wanting to sign him. It's going to be three or four different teams, probably maybe at around one to $2 million for a year, kind of a prove it deal, but that's what he's playing for right now. He's playing to save his career. I don't see him playing well enough to garner any real interest in a trade deadline move. How dare you Blaine? How dare you? No, just kidding. I, I, that's, that's all plausible. It's all plausible. I guess I'm just being the optimist and saying, hey, he's a UFA. He's playing well. He does have good playoff numbers when he plays in the playoffs. He can help a team going forward. It's the five million, five and a half million dollars that's going to keep teams away. If, the, if because it, there's away. not a lot of money to be spent at the deadline no. right now. No. And uh, especially with contending teams. So, if a team who's trying to get into the playoffs looks at him and goes, could he move our needle? Maybe. Let's try it. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe Florida picks him up and then they try. They they just go terrible and drop right down to the bottom 10. Who knows? That, that would be terrible. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, but uh, for, for Hughes to kind of go against the grain and actually do stuff at the deadline, I mean, by go against the grain, I mean, they're expecting nothing, but for him to make a, to really do a shakeup, what do you think? Because we've been doing a mock trade deadline on the hockey writers, and I might I want to underline mock. It's not real. 
these moves that have been spoken about, maybe they're rumored, maybe they're not, but it's a mock trade deadline. All right. So I got one that really pisses off Albertans. So it's kind of like, I'll call it my, so it's a win-win. I'll call it my liberal trade. Uh, (laughs) You've lived hard. (laughs) Um, I'm a snowflake. What can I say? Uh, Anyway, I have Anderson going to Calgary and there he's going to Calgary for a first in either Peltier or Wolf. I know Wolf is the greatest goaltender that ever lived, not in the NHL. I get it. Uh, He actually just became the first AHL goalie to hit 30 wins this year. And (laughs) so, uh, but the way I look at it is with all the injuries, if Hughes wants to get what he needs, what he's asking for, he wants a first round pick. He wants a top prospect and he wants a young, almost NHL ready goaltender. Calgary for Anderson is the perfect trade. We already know Brad Travelli has been wanting him since he was in Columbus. Um, Yeah. He's a big fan of Anderson. Calgary can use a power forward like Anderson because we all know that they're on the bubble here of making the playoffs or not with all the moves they made. And Huberto just isn't what they thought, shockingly, isn't the one-year great season guy that they thought he was going to be. Um, so where can he, what can he, who can he trade and what can he get back that's going to get him everything he wants at this deadline? Now, Hughes has also said, Unless something blows my socks off, I am not moving Josh Anderson, which is perfectly fine. Josh Anderson is a good complement to this team that we have. We don't have a ready-to-go power forward right now. Slavoski, I think, can be that future power forward, but right now he's not there. Um, so, yeah, there's there's pros and cons to the whole thing. But what does Hughes want more? Does he want what he asked for at the first of the season that he wants by the end of the season? Or does he want Josh Anderson? And I think a deal that will blow his socks off would be a first-round pick and either a Jacob Peltier or a Dustin Wolf uh, from the Calgary Flames. Well, uh, yeah, because it makes sense because he's he has been on the search for a first and top prospect for a while. He wants a 2023 first. He wants to get a top prospect. Anderson is probably his best bet at getting both. Now, I... I I can hear people saying, oh, he's not worth that. But it's the trade deadline. People tend to overpay a little bit, especially teams that are looking for power forwards. Mm-hmm. Calgary's one. Timo Meyer's out there. And the moment he moves, Anderson's value is going to skyrocket. Yeah. Because there's there's going to be whoever misses out on Meyer. Because right now, I think the Devils, uh, a couple other teams are really in on Meyer. Out of those five or six teams that miss out, maybe four or five, um, four of them are going to stay in the market for a power forward, and that's Anderson. Not to mention, he is cost-controlled for the next four years. Whereas Timo Meyer will toss $10 million just to qualify. I, I don't believe that much to sign long-term. I think if someone gets them, I don't think they're worried about the 10 million. I think they're going to try to sign them before that for like, say 8 million or, you know what I mean? Something a little less, but, but it's still a lot more than 5.5. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Anderson at 5.5, a little bit more cost effective. He doesn't score 30 goals here like Meyer does, but he does play a similar style and he can get you 20 to 25. He's on pace for 25 this year, 24.6 to be exact <laughs> on a shit team on a shit team. However, the caveat for him to go into Calgary 
is Montreal would have to take money back. and Which isn't hard. Well, that depends because the only real guy that's a UFA at the end of the season that has a lot of money that would make this work is Milan Lucic. And I don't know if Montreal's on his no trade. He has a 10-team no uh, NTC. They are. And I'm pretty sure Montreal's one of those teams he won't go to. Um, so you'd have to say, hey, Luke, do you mind playing in Montreal for a month and a half or whatever? Or Montreal could just flip that trade deadline. Here's this trade. Hey, we got Luchik. Does anyone want him? I don't know who's going to want to take Luchik at five and a half million, but we'll see. So that, that's the caveat to that. They're going to have to be some kind of money work in there because Calgary now only has 4.4 million at the trade deadline. Anderson's 5.5 million. If you're getting, say, Wolf in a first, you're not taking any money back. So you'd have to take at least a, at least a million dollars back. But they could take, like, say, a... I don't know, young defenseman that's 1.1 million or a, not a young defenseman, but a defenseman off the team that may still have a little bit of term at 1.1 million or something. Like Montreal can, they can work something out that doesn't include Luchik. Because I don't think Luchik will want to go to Montreal. <laughs> no, no, probably not. And, and uh, looking at Anderson and looking at teams that would like to have someone like him, I I, I consulted with the, uh, the insider, Mr. W. And... According to Mr. W, Buffalo would be an excellent spot. They have the cap space. They have the need for another power forward. I mean, yeah, you have Alex Tuck there. You put Anderson on the other side, and then you have a line with Thompson. They'll kill people. But do they want to give up their first-round pick? I don't see them wanting to give up a first-round pick, but they have – they have a couple of high-end goaltending prospects. They have other top prospects that they can part with, and that would be an acceptable move. Any any deal for Anderson will have to have two significant pieces mm-hmm. in return. So a 2023 first and a top prospect, or a couple of high-end prospects, or a top prospect and a 2024, some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. And we know Montreal has two first-round picks in 2024, depending on how the Calgary pick goes. That weird convoluted. That could be in 2074, too. Yeah, weird convoluted. I wrote an article about the hockey writers. Just go archive it. It explains the whole thing. I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head, but if the moon is in the right phase on the right day at the right time, Montreal gets this pick. But if it's not, they get it's. it involves 27 teams in three different leagues. <laughs> it depends on the interpretive dance on Broadway by, uh, by, by some unknown actor. And if they become a tree, what kind of tree? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Theo Fleury makes a non bullshit tweet. It, it, it'll work. So it'll never happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's interesting because the injuries to Monaghan and Edmondson really, screw the deadline up for Montreal. It, it really does, especially if they're not ready to go, uh, which Edmondson I don't think is. I think Edmondson could be done for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. But uh, um, He's day-to-day. Yes, day-to-day. Um, and Monaghan's one day in a contact jersey, the next day in a non-contact jersey. So, you know, I don't know what it's all it's all mind games. It's all mind games. Hughes is the you. master of mind games. Hughes is going to end up with five first round picks, three top prospects, and 
all he gave up with Druin. That's what's going to happen. That's how much of a genius he is. And he's going to sign Monaghan on a four-year deal at $1 million a season. Uh, and then trade him for seven firsts. Yeah. Uh, um, so far, so far, uh, like I say, I, I, I've yet to be, I've yet to complain about anything uh, Hughes has done as a GM so far. Um, all his trades have been, he's gotten back exactly what he wanted, whether it's what us fans wanted or not. I don't really, doesn't really matter. He got what he wanted, what he thought was best for the team and nothing has hurt the team so far. Um so it'll be interesting. I mean, and then when we talk about young goaltending, nothing's saying Montembeau's out of the out of the with the way he's been playing this year. Nothing's saying he's not going to be that guy that maybe they try to use for. It. I don't think he will be, but I'm not riding that Montembeau train like a lot of people are. But uh, just to keep some Habs fans happy, there's nothing saying Montembeau's not going to be there. He's there at least next year. Um, so, and then you have Allen for two more. Allen could be a piece move too. With Montembeau's plays this, this year, uh, Allen signed on to a good two-year uh, extension, which was at, what, three and a half million, four and a half million? Um, he could go He's somewhere. One, one million for next year as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, Allen's 2.8. 2.8 this year, but 3.8 the next two years on this extension. So until 24, 25. I'm just looking at it now. It's pretty much a million dollar raise. Um, so, I mean, a team like Pittsburgh's looking for an upgrade in goaltending. I don't know. You never know. He could be moved. I doubt it, but he could be. So that pretty much covers everything we were going to talk about. Is there any final thoughts for you on this episode? Just to say like, yeah, a trade deadline could go either way. It's either going to be really quiet for Montreal or I think it's there's going to be moves, just not anything I just don't think there's going to be anything major off season in the trade in the draft is where you're going to see. I think Montreal makes some moves. That's where I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I, I do expect some big things happening on the week of the draft. The, yeah. the teams are all going to be together in Nashville for a solid week prior to, because the award show is there as well. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of movement, I think around that time. Uh, and thanks to and the to hockey me, writers, just, Blaine and Trank will be there for it all. Right. Right, Dean and Kyle, right? Right. <laughs> I could use a free flight, just so <laughs> we already have the hotel. Um, <laughs> yep. So um for me, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for uh supporting us. Please, for those who are listening, uh, just go and subscribe to YouTube. We are now on Cryer Media as well. Check out Cryer Media for links to our podcast. Check out YouTube, subscribe, like, share, uh, and send more emails. We want the we want more engagement. We want to see more emails. We want to see more more posts uh, on our all our social media platforms. We're even on TikTok for God's sakes. Once I figure that out, that'd be great. You know, us being old and gray. But we're pretty much everywhere you'll be. We're on Mastodon. We're on all the different social media sites. So the more comments that you send to our way, the more questions you ask, the better it is for us, the better show we can provide for you. And uh, remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. 
do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 